On this edition of Thinking Biblically, we talk to a Canadian-born child of Israeli Holocaust survivors and how he was confronted by the claims of the Messiah. Welcome back to Thinking Biblically. My name is Alan Gilman. Thinking Biblically is a podcast dedicated to exploring how all of Scripture speaks to all of life. Often on Thinking Biblically, we do that by having interesting conversations with people. I hope this one's going to be interesting. I think it is. Uh, But just before I introduce our guest uh, in this edition of Thinking Biblically, I want to remind everyone to please subscribe, to share, to review and to like, that really, really helps. Um, And I'll be sharing how you can contact us later on. Um, But for now, it is my pleasure to introduce you to an old friend of mine by the name of Ben Volman. Uh, Ben grew up in a Jewish home in Toronto and came to know Yeshua, Jesus, as his Messiah in 1976. Ben has a wealth of ministry and other experience, including planting and pastoring congregations with Chosen People Ministries. He was the founding rabbi of Congregation Kahilat Eitz Chaim, Tree of Life, and also mentored congregation planters in Winnipeg and Hamilton. All that's in Canada, in case you don't know. Ben has ministered in congregations, colleges, and at conferences across North America, as well as in Germany, Thailand, and the Philippines. His testimony and articles on Israel and Messianic Judaism have appeared in numerous national and international publications. Ben was a senior writer for Faith Today magazine and also the executive director of the Messianic Times, a Messianic newspaper. He is the author of the book, More Than Miracles, Elaine Zeidman Markovic and the Story of the Scott Mission, which is one which won the Presbyterian Church in Canada Academic Prize for History. And oh, look, I have a copy right here. It's a great book. Um, uh, recommend it. Maybe Ben will let us know how you can get a copy. He has also won two National Christian Journalism Awards. Ben has been on the National Board of the Messianic Jewish Alliance of Canada and on the Administrative Committee of the International Messianic Jewish Alliance. He is currently Vice President and Canadian Regional Director with the Union of Messianic Jewish Congregations. Ben graduated from Knox College in Toronto with a Master's of Divinity, which included graduate work in Chicago, both at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School and Spiritus College of Judaica. He is also currently in the Doctor of Practical Theology program at McMaster Divinity College. Ben lives in Toronto with his wife, Sue, and their adult son, Jonathan. Welcome to Thinking Biblically, Ben. Thank you. Thank you, Alan. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here and a joy to see you again. Yeah, so we were chatting uh, beforehand, and uh, it looks like you were kind of reading my mind with some of the surprises that I had for you uh, as we did this. And I wanted to start by asking you, do you remember, I know you know the answer to this, do you remember the first time we met? I remember it very well, Alan. As do I. Uh, it, we, um, we, we met at, uh, at, well, what is now Tyndale. Uh, it's not the same location, interestingly enough, but, um, you were a student at, uh, a Bible college, Tyndale Bible college. Yeah, it was Ontario Bible college at the time. Ontario Bible college at the time. Right. And, uh, we were both, we were were both of the same vintage (laughs) (laughs) at the time. 
and uh, and, and somebody uh, pointed you out to me, and I I want to I wanted to meet another Jewish believer, uh, and uh, you were studying there, as was your wife, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I can't. That's well. Yeah, she was actually at the what it was was the counseling training for the upcoming Billy Graham meetings in 1978 uh, in Toronto. And uh, those sessions were at at the Bible school Saturday mornings. And uh, yeah, both Rob and I uh, were we, I think we were going out by that time. Um, and uh, you and another fellow walked in and one of my friends kind of knocked me on the shoulder and said, hey, Alan, one of you guys. <laughs> so you two were the first keepa-wearing uh, Jewish believers I'd ever met. And if I remember correctly, afterwards we talked. Actually, we didn't talk then. We argued. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, you know, you were, um, uh, you, were a little, you were a little argumentative at the time. And, uh, you know, the uh, and the the major issue was uh, Messianic Judaism. And, uh, you know, I um, I was a young believer. I, I was a young believer. I, I I entered seminary that year, but I I don't think I had entered seminary yet. And uh, we were forming what was really the very first viable messianic jewish congregation in canada um uh congregation mal israel and um and of course it, there were other aspects too um we were you know we were very very different in uh in the the the, the pursuit in the pursuit of our uh, the, the character of our faith at that time but you know the wonderful thing, Alan, is we have never, uh, never ceased to enjoy one another's company uh, since that time, and we've had a. I think we've had a, um, a, a, a blessed friendship over the years. I would agree. Um, at the time, I was only in my second. Well, I didn't realize that uh, you came to the Lord in '76, like I did. So we were the same spiritual age. I'm not, you know, maybe our maturity factors have been different, but that's another story. Um, but I'd been inoculated. Both Rob and I had been inoculated against Messianic Judaism, not knowing that eventually we would help start ourselves. We'd help start a Messianic congregation in our living room with the help of Michael Gertzman, who I've interviewed on this podcast some time ago. And so uh, we've developed through the, through the years, and, and you and I, eventually, we were co-editors of a small uh, uh, newsletter. Do you remember that? The Menorah. Right, the Menorah. Yeah, the Menorah, which was a, a newspaper for Messianic believers, Jewish believers uh, in Canada. Pre-internet. It was pre-internet we did that yeah yeah it was i think it was stone tablets or something clay tablets <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah tipping away you know i have the very same feeling when i look back at all those um essays that i wrote in uh, all through college and it and well into seminary they were all done on the same manual typewriter and when i look back i i think of them as having been chiseled onto <laughs> yeah things have yeah obviously things have changed so much um do you remember the last time we saw each other 
uh, in person, I miss you, I hear your in person. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, was it, that would have been quite some time ago. Actually, it was a few years ago. Um, I was meeting up with another person I had on this podcast, Scott Masson. We met up for the first time in a coffee shop in Toronto, getting to know each other and who walks in, but you. And I was going to soon uh, be meeting uh, a relative who I hadn't seen in 10 years. And I mentioned that, and you prayed this precious, pre I, was, I was actually very, very nervous. And you prayed this very precious prayer. It was this, we call these divine appointments. And how God set that up, we hadn't seen each other in years. And we had this very precious holy moment together as as you, my brother, prayed for me getting as I got ready. And I had a, a wonderful time with this relative and grateful for God sending you, you praying and, and for all that. So that was the last time. And uh, so this is, we're doing this, they call it virtually over video with Zoom here. And uh, it's so this is the first time since then we've seen each other. Um, so why don't, why don't we, we get with the with the agenda here and you're going to share uh your some of your faith story but i wanted to start by asking you and i you know i've done a little bit of research that you helped with how far back can you trace your family line uh you know that's a very interesting question uh i was in germany um in 2016 where my mother's family is from and um, her family uh, eventually settled um, in Stolberg, uh, which is not too far from uh, the Dutch border, not far from Aachen, actually, uh, which is uh, um, just on the other side of that border in the Rhine Valley. And um, her family, uh, my grandmother's family, were Jacob's. And uh, there's a whole cemetery uh, in a little town called Longavea, and this is just outside Cologne, where her family was from. So my grandmother's family was from outside Cologne, uh, Köln, as they say in German. And uh, there's a cemetery full of uh, Jacobs, and the family there can trace trace itself back quite some centuries. Uh, uh, so uh, I don't know the specifics, but it, uh, that family goes back quite some time. The, my father's family was Hungarian and, uh, their family ha is very, very different. And, um, my, my grandfather's family, because my, because my, uh, my father's family literally all perished in in the holocaust in uh most many of them in auschwitz uh it's very very hard to to go back and uh, you know my my father's um my father's ability to really share uh was relatively limited uh, about his family um and I think it was it was very difficult for him uh, to talk about um, the losses. Um, I was, you know, I was born only ten years after he survived a concentration camp. Uh, 
And so I, I really can't say how far that family goes back, but they were a very fascinating family in on the Hungarian side as well. Um, so, uh, you know, my family roots in, in Europe are very different. My parents met in Israel and uh, my mother's family escaped from Germany to Israel in 1933. Uh, my my um, grandfather, uh, you know, Zechonov, uh, my grandfather, Daniel, and his brother, uh, Max, they, they, um, uh, they saw what was coming and uh, they, all of them were, my, my grandfather and his, and his uh, remaining brothers, one died in France. They, they were all German veterans and, um, but they saw what was coming. And, uh, you know, Daniel was a very, he, he was a very revered man, uh, um, brilliant. Actually, he was, he was a master painter. Alan, he was the master painter when they built the Hadassah Hospital in Jerusalem. And some of his murals were still around when my late sister visited the hospital. Uh, that would have been during the, I guess, the uh, late 70s. And uh, so, um, yeah, you know, it's 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 a very different kind of family background. But my parents met in Israel and uh, my father wooed my mother, who was very Israeli. Um, he wooed her by brilliantly doing what he knew how to do best which was build anything out of steel. He built a motorcycle <laughs> and he wooed her by doing something that very few Israelis were able to do, which was drive all around the country anytime they wanted. And, uh, and, then, um, and then they were married uh, shortly before the War of Independence. Uh, and... Uh, uh, you know, he survived that war. Uh, and uh, afterwards, uh, my aunt, who had survived Auschwitz and had come to Canada, um, uh, found out, you know, she was putting ads in the paper in Israel. And uh, somebody approached him and said, uh, Yossi, do you know that uh, your sister is looking for you? She's in Canada. And uh, so they were in touch and she, uh, my, my aunt, my late aunt was very determined, uh, very determined woman. And she convinced my father to bring his family uh, to Canada, which he did. My two older brothers uh, who were born in Israel uh, came to Canada in the, in the 19, early 1950s. And, and I was born here in Canada. So in terms of what brought your parents to Israel, um, did they both go to escape the trouble or, or was there any ideological Zionism? Very strongly Zionistic uh, views in my, it's quite, it's quite fascinating because um, in my, in, in the case of my mother's family, they really, uh they really identified themselves as zionists and and um so they were german zionists 
Can you define Zionism for people that uh, yeah, they, they, the were, they, they were committed to a vision of the Jewish people creating a Jewish state in the land of Israel. Um, but their vision of a Jewish state was not a biblical state. They were strong secularists. They were not uh, Bible believers, as it were. More, they were believers in the uh, destiny of the Jewish people to return to their land and rebuild a nation. Um, on the other hand, uh, my father's uh, motivation came after the war. He survived. Uh, he survived. Um, uh, uh, concentration camp north of Berlin, uh, Oranienburg, uh, 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 in Oranienburg, uh, just north of uh, Berlin. Actually, I've been there. Um, and uh, he, uh, it's a miracle he survived. But uh, he went back to, he went, he went back to Hungary to kind of restore his life. Um, he, um, he he found nothing there, and the country was um, uh, declining into uh, in what would eventually become a communist state. And he 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 owned a business. He was working hard, um, but he was totally unsatisfied. And then um, uh, one night, apparently, he heard some people talking about. Um, going to Israel, he went to his friend and simply said, "I'm I'm I'm going to Israel. I'm selling you the business. I'm going to Israel. That's it." And I discovered um, a, a fascinating thing. He was from a little. He was from a town in um, uh, Hungary called Dürer. And I discovered um, through the internet that the rabbi in Dürer the lead rabbi in Europe was a very strong Hungarian Zionist. And uh, so I heard a gentleman from Dier, uh, and it was amazing listening to this man. He had exactly the same accent. And he was speaking in Hebrew and it was translated. He had the exact same accent as my father. <laughs> and um, he was saying, we grew up in Dürer under the rabbi who told us that, you know, the future of the Jewish people was in Israel. And so uh, that was uh, my father's motivation. Did they, re did they ever regret coming to Canada and leaving Israel? In many ways, there were some really deep regrets, uh, I think, in, in my mother's life. Uh, she would be thrilled to know that she now has many Jewish grandchildren and great-grandchildren in Israel through my older brother who lives there and has prospered and been blessed with a wonderful family in Israel. Uh, and, uh, and, and I am too. I feel blessed to know that, 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 that that's um, her legacy as well. I think it was very difficult for my parents. And when they came to Canada, it, you know, they came to Toronto. They lived in a, you know, a very lower middle class, a lower, lower middle class. Well, it was really a lower class neighborhood uh, in the West End of the city called Mount Dennis. Um, I was, you know, we, li we lived, we lived in 
tough circumstances. My my father really struggled. Uh, look, you know, my father moved from Hungary to Israel. He always spoke to my mother in Hebrew. Hebrew was the first language in our home. And then he came to Canada and he had to learn English. My father was not a sophisticated intellectual gentleman. He was a hard, hardworking journeyman metal worker. Um, and, and it always fascinates me that both my, you know, my my both of my grandparents were um uh they were extremely intellectually minded, but they were both masters of trades. They were masters of of their trades uh in which they you know in which they excelled and uh so the fascinating thing is uh my father struggled here but you know he learned to read an english newspaper and to become highly functional in english uh despite all those challenges so i i really have to deeply respect that i could not I cannot say I've done anything like that language wise. Uh, I I sometimes say to people, I learned, you know, when I was growing up, I, I learned what were called three dead languages and I killed at least two of them. Yeah, well, there, you know, what a difference are what our generations experience compared to our parents and our grandparents. It's uh, it's overwhelming to, to, to think of of those differences. So how about religiously, spiritually? Uh, on both sides of your family, what was that like? What, where were they at in, in terms of religion? Well, that's a fascinating question in certain ways, considering um, that my older brother is Orthodox, and I'm, um, uh, I, I'm, you know, a Messianic Jewish rabbi. Uh, we use the term rabbi uh, now. When I, when you know, even back in the day when you and I first met messianic leaders didn't use the term rabbi actually um but we've grown into the term and whenever i meet people who are familiar with my leadership and and uh and in our circles we now use that term but i i um i i confess you know uh i mean i i have many you know i have years of uh theological study but uh, behind me but it's you know we i use the term messianic rabbi uh but but people love to call me rabbi ben so i i i concede with to that but the reality is that um i grew up in a very secular zionistic home and my parents were very israeli uh we really were israeli in our perspective uh and i remember uh the story of um, uh, an American, a oh, oh, very famous American uh, who goes to Israel and uh, he meets an Israeli and he shows him his, um, you know, his tzitzit and, you know, uh, and the, uh, you know, the, the other as elements of his, uh, you know, his, his uh, synagogue life. And the Israeli says, uh, we're Jews, but we're not Jews like that, yeah. And so we were very secular. My parents, though, and this is part of the culture in Canada at the time when they came. Uh, uh, Jewish people were not all that welcoming to Israelis. 
when my parents came, uh, the, there was an attitude. Why didn't you stay? <laughs> you know, you were there. Why didn't you stay there? Uh, and, and all and many of these people had come from Eastern Europe <laughs> or they had been here. And, you know, my parents were survivors uh, in, in many ways. I mean, uh, so they they um uh they did have uh you know they did have some affinity with those people with similar backgrounds but um uh our our identification was very strongly zionistic uh, very jewish uh, you know I, you know our identity was uh, a, a a challenge because we grew up in very non Jewish, uh, very non Jewish setting. It was, um, it, you know, our being different was known, um, but um, we we were very assimilated in in many ways. Um, but I had absolutely no interest in spirituality, no interest in God. I didn't believe in God. I, and a lot of that was tied to my views of the Holocaust. The Holocaust really did hover over my thinking about God. Where would God be? Uh, where, where, what kind of God would allow us to um, experience such horrors? My, the, you know, the, many of my cousins in Hungary perished the last of my cousins perished in auschwitz the this friday will be um holocaust memorial day uh the january 27th uh, marks the um liberation of auschwitz uh, yeah, that's the the internet that's the un sponsored international remembers the holocaust as right? opposed to the israeli right right yeah um did you did you um what did you have any connections at all with the Toronto Jewish community? And did your family celebrate holidays? Like, oh, what was that like? All, yeah, we celebrate all the holidays. My a lot parents, of you know, a lot of people who haven't been raised in the in the Jewish world don't understand how uh, our backgrounds could be so non-religious and yet still have smatterings of, of religious engagement. Not to mention celebrating the holidays and other ways that we connect with our people. Yeah, well, we 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 celebrated we celebrated Passover, New Year's, Yom Kippur. We never imagined eating on Yom Kippur, uh, so we were not that assimilated. Uh, but my parents had the strong kind of Israeli secular religious uh, perspective, and uh, so that was my Judaism and. You know, I was as Jewish as I wanted to be, <laughs> in that sense. And uh, as far as as far as my as far as uh, the people around me were concerned, I was I was I was very Jewish. <laughs> I, I so uh, there was never any question about my Jewish identity. In fact, you know, we you know we fought other kids <laughs> in the schoolyard because because we were Jews. <laughs> And and, and you're, laugh, you're laughing now. I'm sure you weren't laughing then. We're not laughing then. It was yeah, horrible. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we experienced a lot of anti-Semitism uh, growing up. We're plenty. 
Um, so, you know, Canada was not, uh, you know, was not without anti-Semitism and people had no idea of the, no appreciation of what the Holocaust really meant. Uh, they had no appreciation at all, uh, of, of what the Holocaust meant. So let's, let's jump ahead at some point. Um, you make a discovery of one of your brothers had a Bible or something, and yeah. and uh, could you take us into the impact that had on you? It's an interesting story, I, Alan. It's it's quite fascinating uh, how uh, this all started. Uh, my my brother was a pre med student at McMaster uh, University, uh, and he met some people there obviously who were believers um and uh through through intervarsity and um he was uh um you know he he was the <laughs> uh he was very different from me uh my older brother and we did not get along and later i discovered I discovered how hard his life had been. And I knew his life. My my older my two older brothers had a very different experience from my sister and I. They I I was four years younger than my older brother. They they had they truly had the immigrant experience coming from Israel. Um and I I was born here and and uh I was you know I was the pain in the neck baby <laughs> for 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 the two of them they went through very different experiences uh much harsher experiences than i did and uh and particularly my older brother and um and 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 life with my father was very harsh my my father was a very angry tough tough man to live with and we worked very hard he he set up a um, he set up a, a workshop in the basement we were constantly uh working with him he had been raised he had been raised to be a metal worker from from his childhood and so were we <laughs> but my older brothers experienced it in worse ways than i did uh and then um we, my oldest brother went to university, um, not directly. Um, he, he, he went through the, um, the army program. It was very, it was, it was a real challenge. My parents had no wherewithal financially. My parents struggled, uh, very, very, it was a very difficult financial struggle, but my oldest brother decided to go to university through the army and uh, he um so he went to um uh uh the the army um training program originally to go to university and then uh left that but my older brother uh by that time there were uh other programs that helped young people go to university and and that was uh, that that was what happened with me. I I entered the University of Toronto and I stayed in Toronto, and uh, I lived at home. My my younger sister, uh, got, you know, she's gone now. But my 
younger sister was born. She was born just 18 months after I was born. Um, she uh, she never went to university. She she was a wonderful musician and went off and developed herself as a wonderful musician and eventually became a uh, highly functional musician and teacher at the Royal Conservatory. And, but um, I stayed and I was um, I was uh, studying philosophy at the University of Toronto and my brother was uh, at Mac and and he his his um his university career was winding down because uh he was not happy uh he was not happy being a university student but um one day he came back and uh uh his backpack was lying around and uh out of it uh literally uh was uh a, some book it was a very beautiful looking book it was the uh what the anglican common bible in paperback form and uh if you remember it it had the uh um this it, it, it was a lovely bible they had a beautiful cover on it it said common bible on it in gold on a white background and um uh in those days um most of us uh you know we had old bibles around um you know and we we had torahs around yeah my parents read hebrew and and we were you know my brothers were educated and started to accumulate some books not not that many but you know and, and of course my parents had bibles cuz you know you, as jews they they had the bible and and we and they were very very uh oh they were very uh particular about the shabbat my parents were both very particular about the Shabbat, uh, adhering to the Shabbat. So my father would not work on the Shabbat, for example. And Friday nights were particularly very important for Shabbat. So that was very important in our family. And so um, so I'd never seen a Bible like this. But what really fascinated me was it was a whole Bible. It was a new testament and 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 it was it was a goyesha bible and it was beautiful and not like that but um you want to explain goyesha to our audience oh it, it was gentile it was gentile bible very very as not as non-jewish as you can get and still be on the planet well what was it doing there yeah. I obviously, obviously, my my brother must have been reading the darn thing, and uh, of course, you know what I suspected was that uh, we were going to be doing the usual fight thing, which we did all the time, uh, some kind of argument, and the next thing I knew was going to happen, he was going to look at me and he said, "Do you know that the Bible says?" I knew that this was coming. So I, of course, had to beat him to it. I had to get my own Bible <laughs> and be able to quote something back at him. That's why I went out and bought a Bible. And I said, just, just so we, I don't know if this is a gap or whatever. So how did you like, how did you know he didn't get it to resell it or some, I can't, you know, how do you know that he had any kind of affinity besides the fact that he possessed it? I didn't. 
Okay, you just so, okay. About it. No, we never. We did have a conversation later, which you know, uh, that's that's a whole different story. We had a conversation later, but the reality is, uh, this was this was without any conversation. But I never brought it up with him at the time. I, he would never resell a book. That was that that okay. is not the sort of thing he would ever do. He if it was in his backpack, it was the, the only reason it would be but because he was reading the dark. Okay, so you saw the thing and ding 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 the alarm bells go off and you and you you head to the front lines. Oh yeah. Okay. Found a bookstore that sold bibles. Man, suddenly I discovered there were all these bibles. <laughs> <laughs> and uh so I went out and got one. And I ended up with uh I ended up with a big fat uh, Jerusalem Bible. I love the title. I had no idea it was Catholic. <laughs> had all these extra books in it. I didn't know why. <laughs> but anyway, uh, and a New Testament because, uh, you know, well, that's it's also a Goetia Bible. It was also a Goetia Bible. But it was, you know, the interesting thing was it was a great translation. <laughs> and uh, it one was, of the early, one of the early modern translations and, uh, and, and those brought to you by the Catholics. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't have any idea what it was. I love the. Uh, yeah, I love the fact that it said Jerusalem. Yeah. You know, uh, but the reality was, uh, I didn't know anything about Bibles. I didn't know anything about religion. I didn't didn't know anything. I I was a philosophy student. I was studying English. My goal was to become a um, writer. Yeah, I want to. I want to. I want to stop you for a second because I find this this fascinating. Um, I, I think I understand it. I'd like to hear from you because it's come up all the way through. We were secular. We were not religious. I you just I, I didn't know much about religion. Then it's we kept Shabbat. We had Bibles in the house uh, and 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 strong identification with with being Jewish. You know, fights in the schoolyard sort of thing. How do you explain? We know nothing about religion, and yet you sound more religious than most people all at the same time. Well, because uh, Jewish identity can't be extracted from our, um, you know, our biblical heritage. The the strange reality is that um, I knew more of the Bible than I would have ever admitted to anybody else. Uh, I read parts of the Bible all the time. I, uh, I I did think about God. I didn't want to have anything to do with Jesus, but I thought about Jesus. I read the mushroom and the cross specifically to find out uh, information that would keep me from ever having to worry about whether or not Jesus really was somebody I had to take seriously. Was that a, was was that a book title? Oh yeah, that, that was a very famous. Uh, Book of the Sixties, The Mushroom and the Cross. I okay, I'm ignorant. I have not heard of it. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, okay, okay. Uh, I'll have to check it out. But anyway, yeah. So um, yeah, so here I was. I I would have considered myself total agnostic. Um, I wouldn't have called myself an atheist because that would have taken some conviction. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, that's fair. 
but anyway, so that was the context in which I I, I moved in. And yeah, being, so the people, so the peoplehood thing, very very entwined. The Israeli background, the Jewish background, what that means, even though f- philosophically a rejection of let's call it uh, Jewish spirituality, yeah, the this, this the actual spiritual aspects of Jewish religion, but the 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 outward expressions of it, some of them. Uh, were precious to you and your family. And then, of course, once you, you encounter the Jesus factor and the New Testament factor, that calls for uh, a harsh reaction and has well, to be dealt with. Well, this is it. I, I, so I, and, you know, I was, um, you know, I was committed to, um, I, I was committed to uh, literature. At the time, I, I had an excellent education at the University of Toronto in uh, in English literature, and I was committed to um, uh, to really understanding and reading literature. And uh, the amazing thing about reading the Bible, especially in these new translations, because we were so used to the old King James in in. Uh, yeah, it was it was virtually inaccessible, the same way. Uh, but once the Bible was freed from essentially from this New King James, uh, you, you know, language, um, it came alive to me, and I suddenly realized reading the prophets reading uh genesis uh in 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 language that um was poetic and powerful uh, that this was the book of books uh it, actually it's a library it, this is the library of libraries uh we don't think of it, it it's 66 it's not books but 66 manuscripts essentially ancient manuscripts which uh, some of which are book length and some of which are, you know, you know, a page length virtually or, or, or somewhat. But it's it's a it's a library. We we hold an ancient library in our hands and the uh, immense uh, character quality. You you open a, a book like Nehemiah. And you are immediately immersed in in an ancient mindset that you can identify with clearly. This is tremendously penetrating. And for someone who had a dismissive attitude towards God, suddenly I was surprised. <laughs> this, this literature speaks straight to the heart. You 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 um you may have grown up with uh, hearing, uh, you know, smatterings of stories or parables or this, that, and the other growing up in this culture. But when you read the story of Jesus in a modern translation, after having, you know, read it previously in in the King James Version, uh, suddenly Yeshua this Jewish rabbi comes alive and he's so Jewish. It's, you know, it's so clear. You know, he keeps saying, 
you know, in truth, in truth. And you know what, what he's really saying is Bamad, Bamad, which in Hebrew we always say, you know, it means in truth. <laughs> but well, that's, that's actually really interesting that. So you're describing your experience of reading the Bible. You get to the New Testament at some point, and you've got, you possess a Hebrew lens that a lot of people don't have, um, and you're actually hearing the echo of Hebrew while you're reading uh, a modern English translation of a, of, a, of a Greek written book, which actually has a very, very strong Hebrew base, and you're picking that up. That's fascinating. Yeah, so I, yeah, I, I I was starting to really kind of get that this guy who I had you know spent my life kind of resisting or kind of dealing with, because um, you know uh, you you don't you know as a Jew you, you, how do you deal with Jesus? I mean, you know. Uh, they're they're all walking around saying, "Well, Jesus is God." Well, come on, you know, you and I, as as one as one rabbi, you know, when rabbi puts it, you know, every Jewish mother thinks her son is God. So, so what's what's new, right? But the the fact is, um, when you come to grips with this uh, literature, as I did, uh, you are suddenly exposed to a very, very powerful uh, and and very uh, potent new way of uh, perceiving uh, what are really the true roots of um, uh, the the what we call Christianity. And I and I had no interest in Christianity. I was not tying this to Christianity. I was not in any church setting. All I was doing was encountering the Bible, and I was not biblically minded and at the same time i was a young man trying to struggle with my own reality which as you know you know it's it, youth is a very troubling time so would you say ben that uh your realization of the truth about god and yeshua came gradually or was there a was there an aha moment that you had that that a tipping point, something like that. Yeah, there was a tipping point. I um, I was reading something else, uh, and it said, uh, "Well, Jesus, uh, Jesus challenges us in John chapter fourteen, verse you know three, you know, where he says, I 'I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me.'" So I was reading that. I, yeah, I went to the Bible, opens it up. I could by this time I knew enough, you know, how to find it. And there he is saying, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. I look at that and I'm thinking, well, I know what he's saying here. Like, okay, the Sermon on the Mount, really, okay, I really love that. But this, this stuff, you know, I mean, I am the way. Haderach, you know, as a Jew, you know what Haderach is? It's, you know, the way, that's Torah. The, the way, the truth, the life, Chaim. Wow. I, no one comes to the Father. You know, no one comes to the Father but by me. Oh, wait a minute, you know. 
<laughs> that was the end. I actually that was a point at which I decided, you know, I I really had to I had to get rid of this influence on my life because if if you followed this guy all the way, you were you know, you you were going to find yourself in in territory I was not prepared to do. So that that was the turning point. And I thought I, I put the Bible on the shelf. I thought I'd, uh, you know, forget about it. But the truth is, you know, what happens is that uh, you try to close the book on the Bible and the and God does not close the book on you. I was I, I was struggling. I spent the next year really struggling with the thought. Is there a God? Is there? A God? And. And suddenly I especially my readings in philosophy, because I I was um you know, I was I, I was reading and had been studying a, a fair amount of philosophy. And of course in philosophy, you know, you, you I always thought that philosophy modern philosophy would be about being godless, but instead we always talked about God. <laughs> then then I read the Pensee, um the um uh, brilliant writings of a guy called Pascal, uh, brilliant, uh, uh, brilliant 17th century uh, French philosopher who had an encounter, uh, has a personal encounter with Yeshua, and he's uh, a, a, and he's 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 a man whose thinking is so incredibly profound. I, I, I you know, you cannot resist the power of this man's uh, intellectual. Uh, insights and uh so i just realized so a lot smarter people than me have, have had to deal with this stuff and i and one time i, I actually tried to pray tried to pray no couldn't do it so yeah i spent a year wrestling with this reality so it was a very, very challenging time and then i kind of came to the end and i was thinking you know what philosophy just doesn't have it you know, and, uh, and I felt I was at a dead end. So that, that was my journey at that point. And the tipping point? Well, I'm crossing. Don't the, leave us. Don't leave us at the dead end here. Well, I, I, I'm crossing the campus of the University of Toronto and I see a sign. Uh, I always used to joke that, uh, you know, there's a passage in First Corinthians where where Paul says, you know, the uh, Greeks, you know, Greek seek wisdom, Jews seek signs. Mm. And crossing the campus, there's a sign. It said, Art Cats, uh, and which immediately attracted me because it's a very Jewish name. Uh, we'll go up and take a look at it. And it's uh, it's it's talking about this guy, former Marxist, former philosophy teacher, now expounds on the person of Jesus Christ talking at the other side of the campus i'm on my way to lunch uh it's 1 15 the meeting starts at had started at one <laughs> so the med sci auditorium which is just a, a bit of a hike uh to the you know another side of the campus i thought yeah i gotta go hear this guy um i had a class at i had a class around two and i uh or, or I, I went I went anyway. And uh there he there he was uh talking about 
the things that had been on my heart for the last year, I'm sitting there, <laughs> I think to myself, there is a, there, 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 there is a cogent man talking about the reality that I've been wrestling with. Could there be a go? I mean, would I be ready to to make a step to believe? Would I? Could I believe? I'm going through every possible reason why I should or should not believe, and I'm going through every relationship thinking about what would be the consequences if I were to decide that you know God exists, that Jesus is who He says He is. I'm thinking about all these things. And then finally, I realize I'm okay. You know what? No problem. I don't have to believe any of this stuff. Uh, but this guy's a really good speaker. So afterwards, I go up to him and I say to him, uh, Mr. Katz, a very interesting talk. But what about the Holocaust? You know? You know, how can you how can we believe in God after the six million? That that that's the that's the cutting edge. I was sure that, you know, that was the end of the discussion. I didn't have to believe in God because of that. And he looks at me and he says, uh, that's a very good question. And now I have a question for you, young man. And I was young at the time. I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't 21. It's 20. And he looks at me, he says, what are you going to do about the Holocaust in here? And he points at my heart. <laughs> you know, he, this is a man who, this is a man who had thought about this a lot more than I had. And he looks at me with that expression and we know it's in here. We know what the heart is. I knew what was in my heart. I knew how hollow I was. You know, you know, Elliot has that poem, The Hollow Men. Well, you know, I know what's in there, nothing. And at that moment, I realized I'm no better than anyone who <laughs> perpetrated the evil that I had been raging against all my life. And it was a young life, but I had I I knew a rage at that time. And as soon as he said that, I real I didn't have an answer. Uh, I didn't have an answer for him, and I turned to go away. I was facing all my Jewish friends. By the way, my all my Jewish friends knew me as the one guy who after any exposition by their philosophy professor would stand up and ask the toughest questions. I was, I was actually, it, a lot of, some of my professors just hated me <laughs> because of that. But anyway, um, so I'm surrounded by these Jewish friends and they all see what's just happened and they're all blank faced. And I'm like, Oh, I have, I didn't, I haven't got it. And I'm walking away and he says, I hear his, come on, wait, 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 come back, come back. 
And he looks at me and he says, you're ready. You're ready, aren't you? And I said, yes. And he pulls me aside. And right there, he prays with me. <sighs> and he prays in Yeshua's name. And the peace of God falls on me like I have never experienced it. it. It's really peace with God. I had never experienced it. I, I had never known anything like, like that. That's amazing. I was transformed. Holocaust of the heart. And that Yeshua provides peace in the midst of, of such intense rage. That is, that's wonderful. And it's also so profound. Wow. Well, we probably should be wrapping up. I have so many more questions I could be asking you, but let's let's see if we can close with this one. What was your family's reaction to all this? Well, I never talked to them about it. <laughs> well, that's easy. We can go on to the next question then. No, no. T tell us more. Well, here, here's what happened. Um, I... Uh, I didn't talk with anybody about it. I wrestled with it for many, many months. And then after about six months, I, and I was, I was, um, I was in correspondence with, uh, by snail mail with art. And he, he asked me to come and join him in Minnesota. Uh, and I did, I, I got on a bus. I, I was, I, I was 20 years old. I got on a bus. I went all the way from Toronto to Minnesota. Um, and uh, uh, I was carrying a backpack and a, and a knapsack. That was it. And I went to Minnesota and I was immersed there. And I came back to Toronto and I joined a group of young guys. I didn't talk to my parents about any of this, really. And then I um uh, are you saying they didn't know why you went to Minnesota? Yeah, they didn't know. They didn't know. I okay. just said, I'm going out to see a I'm I'm going out to see a buddy in Minnesota. Well, what about your schooling? What are you gonna do? Uh, Never mind how are you gonna eat? It was the summertime. I was okay. working. Oh, okay. I was working. okay. I was working, I was working on my own. I, I had my own money, I did my own thing. Okay. So I was used to doing my own thing. I was it was and 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 months after that, my mother says to me, "What happened to you? What happened to you?" So out of the blue, yeah. She just yeah. says, "What happened to you? Uh, you're different. You're different. Everything's different about you. What happened?" And I said to her, "Well, Mom, I believe Messiah has come." And she said to me, the way you've changed, Messiah must have come. Wow. Is that a direct quote? Wow. My mother became a follower of Yeshua on her deathbed uh, many years ago. It's now many years. Ago. How many years after this? It was, it was only, she passed away just four years after I became a believer, but she, not that long. Believers in Toronto became part of my 
you know, my spiritual family at that point. And they got to know my mother. And one of the amazing things was that there were people from the original neighborhood into which I was born who were Jewish believers with whom my mother had had some uh, uh, some knowledge and relationship. And some of those relationships were renewed during that time. And they reached my mother and uh, she became a follower of Yeshua. And uh, she really opened her heart to God before she passed away. Wow. My father had a very different experience, um, but, um, you know, he, he became a much more spiritual man in his later years. Um, he knew what I believed. Um, all my family, you know, became very familiar with what I believed. So, uh, but I didn't argue with them. I, I Maybe with my sister, it was much harder. And my sister passed away. She was very much into the new age, uh, into a new age type of belief. Um, I, I, I call it, I, I say it's not the new age, it's the same old thing. And, uh, but um, yeah, that was, that was more difficult. Um, the reality, the reality of faith in my life has been there for other people to see. And I don't argue. I've had good relationships with my relatives, both, both Israeli and and here generally uh, most do not accept um the direction i've gone in and uh but you know I, we don't argue about it i and and i i've really become more and more um aware that my responsibility is uh, to be um uh to be understanding caring and uh, responsive to where they're coming from rather than telling them uh telling them this is the way walkie in it um because I, I you know the truth is i'm i'm a sinner saved by grace that's it i i i'm i i i'm no better than that i'm just a sinner saved by grace that's 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 the way uh it's the way i i prefer to see myself um and i'm just very grateful for God's grace on my life. And 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 I have no more claim uh, about, you know, about being religious than that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. You know, there's so much we could we could discuss. Uh, I had to hold myself back from going down certain certain trails with this. Uh, but uh, before we go, uh, what's the best way for people to contact you as well as how can people get your book? There's, the history of the Scott mission is something everybody should know. Um, it's, it's tragic that, you know, Canadian believers, uh, Jewish people, believers are not an average people don't know more about the great work of God through this amazing institution. Um, I was so grateful for the months that I spent, I got to work there many years ago. How could they get your book? How could people contact you? Well, uh, you, you, if uh, somebody wants to reach me, they 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 you can just email me benvolman.toronto at gmail.com. And uh, if you want to reach uh, get the a copy of the book, uh, <laughs> I um uh, I I know that it's available on Amazon. Uh, you just 
you can get that way you can get it as an ebook as well um it's uh uh it it's also it's also my joy often to send <laughs> send copies to people <laughs> somebody if somebody really wants a copy i i i send it to them i've sent i've sent it as far away as australia so uh there you go but i um yeah i was very privileged to write that uh story and uh, the lord directed me uh to uh to get to know um uh elaine markovich and uh and, and to sh share her story and then then to write up the you know the larger authoritative story for the scott mission yeah, that's great so it was a privilege that was so uh, i'll be putting uh ben's email address and a link to the book in the description if people want to follow up with that Thank you, Ben, for doing this with me today. It was a real blessing to hear your story. I trust many others will be blessed as well. It's been a joy to be with you, Alan. And I uh, pray that the Lord will uh, bless you, your family, and uh, bless your ministry. Thank you so much. All right. So again, if you want to contact Ben, his information's in the description, as well as uh, a link to his book on the Scott Mission. If you have any questions for me, you can email me at comments at thinkingbiblically.org. And so until next time, this is Alan Gilman with Thinking Biblically. Thinking Biblically.